Welcome to Ancient and Justified. Empty party zone. Revisit it. With me, James Hyman. And with me, Simone Angel. If you are new to this podcast, basically, that lady over there is Simone Angel, who was the incredible MTV presenter extraordinaire. Particularly, she was the presenter for the dance shows, which ran from 1988 to 2000, approximately. That's a good stint. Pre-internet, you know, often like to reinforce that. And I was the producer for those shows, MTV Party Zone and Dance and a few other special little things like Dance Weekends or Guide to Dance. And what those shows did is they covered club culture when no one else was really doing it. It's okay, you'd have some magazines, you'd have the odd program here or there, but there was no regular tune-in appointment viewing for dance Mm -hmm. club culture, particularly to 60 million households. You know, pretty, pretty spectacular. And Simone presented this, braved the elements, Brave the abuse and lunacy in all these clubs and interviews with people. It, I mean, it was. Oh, come on! You make it sound like like it was a punishment. Yeah, it wasn't an ordeal. It, it wasn't was an ordeal. It was not fun. An ordeal. Okay. It was good fun. It was and, not an ordeal. Uh, Very well put. And well, I well definitely put. Well had put. a crazy amount of fun. Probably more than I should be having. And so the guest that I'm going to have on the show, James, you just reminded so today, me. Yeah. I met him before in Euro Disney. So today you are interviewing or revisiting, because this is the key to the show, is revisiting a lot of the amazing guests, you know, we featured on the show very early on in their careers and followed up. But this is Ray from Two Unlimited. And correct me if I'm wrong, it was June or April 1994 you went to Euro Disney. I mean, you can't get more Euro than Euro Disney with the hottest Euro act of the time, right? right? Too unlimited. And the funny thing is, uh, we nearly got kicked out and Minnie Mouse got into big trouble because I was grinding with Minnie Mouse. And, and basically there was people coming from, you know, from, from backstage. Right? They're like, no, 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 Minnie doesn't dance like that. You know, and, and um, yeah, we were caught. Disney's a family thing. Right. So the whole grinding thing but wait, can wasn't I just say- going down too well. Funny though. It's interesting. There you go, revisiting. Yeah. Because there you go, getting told off for grinding with a puppet. <laughs> and right, and you you look at you look at Disney now. This thing's getting me. That Disney Plus are showing a documentary about Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson. I mean, that is one. Wow. That's one extreme. That's quite a stretch. Fam- yeah. Family. Yeah. Well, Family Channel yeah. showing a documentary about a pretty salute. What's the word? Sleazy. You know. Sex tape. Salacious. Anyway. Easy. Right. Salacious. That's but yes, yeah, so Ray from Two Unlimited. This is going to be fun. I have, I've got a lot more uh, memories with Ray because we used to hang out like socially as well. The British press somehow for a while wanted to say that we were dating, which we weren't. We were basically just two Dutch young people in the same industry. And um, yeah, we got on well. I ended up in hospital with him once. I not will, grinding. Not grinding. I woke up in an ambulance <laughs> and I had my neck in some kind of brace. Whoa. And Ray was sitting in front of me clutching a bottle of vodka. All will be revealed. 
that apparent? It's apparent. <laughs> okay, right, right. <laughs> I'm in Belize. Love you it. know, these are the sounds we hear here. Yeah, I love it. And it says here, some are born cool, some achieve coolness, and some have coolness thrust upon them. Our Ray is in the latter category. Doesn't diminish his contribution to the sum total of human happiness in the slightest. Two unlimited were mere identikit peddlers of kids' trance from Holland until Ray's moment. Nobody liked Get Ready For This. Nobody could remember any of the other ones. But then Ray's moment came in the middle of No Limit. Do you remember it? In the middle of No Limit? The middle what was of what the, what is in the, the middle, middle bit? No, no. Yes, no, no. I know. Well, the no, middle, what no, happens? No, 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 there's no limit. No, no. So what's, what happens in the middle of that Does song? Does something happen? Techno, I techno, thought... techno, 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 techno. <laughs> <laughs> right? Seriously, that's God, it. That. I mean, that's the. That's it. Oh my that's, god, that's that made him number four in Select that Magazine's is coolest so hundred people. Funny, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I ask him, ask him in the interview the last time someone actually came up to me and went techno, techno. I mean, right. He's obviously got to get used to that. It's part of the job, right? As it says here, that became the UK nation's new nice one. Cyril, bag of shite, gives a job. That's you. That is, you know, a great catchphrase. Techno, techno, Does techno, it irk him? Love it. Get ready for this. I've hey. got Ray from Two Unlimited here. Hey, Simone. What's going on? <laughs> That's been a little while. Oh my God. It's so it's been funny. Ages. It's, yeah. so, it's been so long. Ray Sleinhardt. Um, I've always wondered how do non Dutch speaking people pronounce your name? Well, I heard uh, many different uh, pronounce, pronunciations, but it's yeah. most of the time they say Slingard or Sligigard. <laughs> you know, right. it's kind of it's kind of a Dutch name, you know. So it's uh, it's for for English speaking people, the the G, the G, is kind yeah. of difficult for them to pronounce. But uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, my even mine, mine was Engon, so we just yeah, made yeah. it into Angel because it's angel. you know. Same and thing, it sounds right? sounds like an angel. You're an angel too, so you know. Oh, <laughs> I try to be. <laughs> so, um, Ray, it's I mean, it's so funny to see you again after all these years. Yeah, for sure. Way back when, we hang out a little bit, right? Even privately. Yeah, yeah. We used to go to the race. We, you know, we used to uh, been in go to London till the late hours. I mean, you know, we never stopped. <laughs> Do you remember? Remember, we had a really strange night one night when I basically well, I, remember. I woke up. I woke up in an ambulance. That's with, true. With you. Yeah, that's true. I didn't want and to I mention have, it because I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it. But it's always that kept him on mind, you know. It's funny, right? And I wake up and I've got some neck braids on, and there was you. If I'm remembering right, I think he was sitting in the ambulance clutching a bottle of vodka. Yeah, yeah. You know, I we, we, I didn't. I, I, I think we just ordered the second bottle or something. I didn't want to lose it. So, you know, uh, I just took it with me. I thought, you know, Simone, she will be all right. So in a, in a couple of minutes, we'll be partying on. So Yeah. So let me just let me just explain what happened. So I've got slight epilepsy, which only gets brought on by strobes. But yeah. we were in a club or just entering a club and there was a strobe. And so I collapsed. But the funny thing is, when that happens... 
yes, I collapse, but by the time I come round, I'm completely normal. So this is what happens. So I wake up in this ambulance. I'm totally fine again. I've got some weird neck brace on and there's Ray sitting there. There's, there's you with the bottle of vodka. So I think we did go to the hospital. I think we already started to drink back in the in the waiting room and then just went, oh, this is stupid. I don't even need to see anyone. I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. So we yeah, went back right. home and uh, <laughs> <laughs> continue drinking. Oh, for yeah. sure, for sure. Yeah. And And I do remember that because it was quite public, right, with me just going down so publicly, um, the press, um, our press department at the time decided that, you know, we better get ahead of the story and actually share it with the press before they come up with another reason yeah, yeah. why I collapsed. Because it wasn't, and it wasn't like, I wasn't very drunk. We, I'm really... No, like, we just, it I think we just started. Yeah, yeah, for yes. sure, for sure. And I wasn't on drugs. I literally just collapsed because of that. So, yeah, we did have to put it in the press. The press, by the way, they did come up with some crazy stories because, you know, there was also press saying that me and you were dating, which we yeah, weren't. That's right. No, we weren't. Right? No, just we're real just... friends from Holland, you know, so. Uh, right, exactly. Yeah. Two young Dutch people in a very bizarre world, right? I mean, how that's bizarre right. was that, yeah. that time? Yeah, it was a great Especially time. Especially for you. Oh, yeah, you know, we've been traveling around uh, the world by then already. But, of course, kind of our home base was was England because, you know, we work with PWL and everything was kind of coordinated from the PWL offices in London. So even if we would go to Japan for a tour or we had to do the next video, I mean, most of the videos we did in London, uh, we did two in Australia, which was uh, No One and The Magic Friend. For the rest, we shut everything in in uh, in London, you know. So, uh, so it was almost like we were living in 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 England. I was more in England than I was in Holland back then, you know. So. Oh wow, wow! I'm gonna play a quote for you, not a quote, a little piece out of an old okay. magazine article, All and right. this was actually about your life just before you uh, joined uh, to Unlimited. Okay. Enemy. 18th of September 1993. Get ready for this. Two Unlimited's appearance on Top of the Pops tonight will be their 11th. They are owners of number one hits around the globe. No Limits was number one in nine countries. The song won gold discs in territories as diverse as Australia, Latin America and the Far East. It must all be a far cry from Ray's former life as a chef. I was a cook at Amsterdam Airport. It was business class though. So I used to see all these successful people coming in and all these planes taking off everywhere. That kept me going. I used to make all these calls to him and he points at the man carrying a phone, Michelle, trying to sort out this deal whilst I was still there. Michelle chooses to intervene. He used to be calling me and I'd be able to hear his boss in the background saying, get off the phone. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, you know, I had some uh, close friends of mine. It was uh, Quadrophonia. They were quite successful just before Tour Unlimited. Oh, wow, and, yeah. And, and, and they used to pass like every week. You know, they were like, hey, Cocky, you know, like little cook, uh, what you cooking? We're on the way to Australia or we're on the way to, to London or whatever. And I was just cooking steaks and sweating. And I was like, you know, one day I want to fly business class too and I want to have this life. At mm. that time, it was not even in the air yet. You know, it was, I mean, I never really wanted to be an artist, but, you know, I, on schools, I was doing a lot of talent shows and I was always involved with the music. But I thought like, you know, I was looking up like artist Michael Jackson. I was always looking like, wow, this, this is the kind of life that I would like to have, you know. But uh, 
yeah, and then suddenly it came about. You know, I got in contact with a management company and they were looking for a, a rapper. Uh, this guy played me the demo of Get Ready For This because it was already out on white label. He was kind of busting in the clubs. And uh, so he invited me uh, to, to the studio and, you know, and I started writing the lyrics. And, yeah, I think within two months it was number two. It came in number two in the UK. Uh, in, wow. And, you know, I was on top of the pops before I even knew it, you know, so... Yeah, it just went like... 11 times. Yeah, we did 11 times. Or maybe times. even more often. What was that? Was that how many times? No, no, it's 11 or? times. Because actually, yeah. like a couple of months ago, uh, I did an item for Top of the Pops. They were interviewing a lot of people like E17 and all these people were, yeah, like, like neighbors of, of Top of the Pops. And yeah, so it was like... Uh, it was just like straight because suddenly you're there with Whitney Houston, uh, Mariah Carey, me there, Elton John, Madonna, you know, so you were just performing with the, the biggest of the biggest. So it was like a dream come true. And, you know, after get ready for this, I thought like, you know, okay, we had a success and I'm coming back to the kitchen. You know, I thought it was all a dream. <laughs> I used to be on uh, Smash Hits magazine. But, you know, and then... Yeah, before you knew it, uh, it blew up all around the world. And then PWL said, well, we need to follow up. We need to continue. I was like, mm -hmm. okay. And you ended up with 23 singles and four albums, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean could that's you crazy. ever expected that right in the beginning when you did that first single? I mean... No, never, never. I mean, it was still, uh, like I said, like, after get ready for this, I thought, like, okay, we had a success. And, you know, among all these big stars that you were looking up to, and suddenly you, you see them uh, backstage, you know, dressing room and talking to them. And it was like, okay, it was kind of kind of weird, you know. And it, it took a while before that sunk in, you know, because the first album just went and, you know, suddenly we're in Australia, we're in Japan, uh, even in the States. In 92, we were already in the States. So, you know, at that point, there was really like a, a world, like totally like devastated and like, okay, what's going on here, you know? Yeah. So how was that? I mean, did you, did you ever feel... I know a lot of people when they when they reach fame at such a quick speed, they get this whole kind of like an imposter syndrome where you kind of for a while you really feel like you don't belong there, like something's gone wrong, where you go, Okay, someone's gonna find out in a minute that I'm here. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're not meant to be here. <laughs> Did you ever get that feeling? Uh yes and no, because in of course it was like it was like a dream come true, but quite uh easily I got sucked into this world you know i was always traveling my, my parents used to have uh, houses in spain so i was always i mean anita she never flew before before we even went to the uk so it was the first time she even flew i was kind of used to you know my father was like lavish and you know he had this apartment in spain so i was a little bit used to to that kind of life so i was i must say after a while uh, i got quite confident to live this life you know i yeah. think anita took a little bit longer because she was not used to, you know, to travel so much and this and that. But, uh, yeah, it just came and I took it as it came, you know. And it was quite, because, you know, the management company and the produ producers around us, they never had this big success. So I had nobody really who, to teach me how to deal with this kind of world. You know, even when I came back from the UK, I saw my friends in the coffee shops where we used to play, uh, you know, table, table football and smoke, of course. And, and I, then I came back and I was like, yeah, yeah, I just met Mariah Carey. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, and it was still the same. And I kind of grew very quick 
you know, in the music industry, you grow quite kind of quick, you know, especially mm-hmm. in the A. I was 19 years old, so, you know. Wow, so you were about as young as I was then. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> what? Because I started MTV when I was 18, just before my 19th birthday. Wow. Yeah. So, so did you find, um, I was talking to Howie B about this the other day, about um, I got to a stage where I found it quite hard to share my stories with my, you know, everyday your friends, friends. Yeah. because it got to the point where you you felt like you were bragging so I started to just not share a lot of stories even though I'd done some really cool things but I was too embarrassed to tell people that did, did you get that at all oh yeah for sure because you know uh for you at a certain point it became normal you know like you MTV had all the stars in front of you so you know in a, in a certain way it slips in it that it's it, it becomes a little bit uh, normal for you uh, so if you, yeah, so you didn't even always share those stories with with, uh, with your friends because they were like, okay, you're bragging or, you know, you felt like they would not imagine how it is to be in this kind of life. You know, so like I said, when I came back to Amsterdam, it was like the time stood still and I was already much further than them, you know, because I was already in five-star hotels and, you know, already getting used to, to make uh, money in a weekend that I used to work, work a whole month for. So, you know, you kind of like elevate and just go up. So, you know, and that's why it's so nice because, of course, we're still touring and I see all these 90s artists like Snap or Culture Beat or, you know, so with them or Hathaway, I just was on the phone with Hathaway two days ago. We were still in contact. And with those kind of people, you can share it because they all experience the same thing. So, you know, they oh remember the show that we did in there. And, you know, so it's kind of more easy to to share your thoughts with them and the memories yeah. that you share together, because we all were kind of growing up in the same kind of era, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. And I think as well, that's probably why me and you hang out, you know, you and, and it's funny because for years I kept saying, I'm not going to become showbiz. I'm not going to become showbiz. I'm going to have my normal friends and I don't want to be part of that world. And it really got to the point after definitely after x amount of years where it just it's almost like it it became inevitable i almost had to start hanging out with other people in the industry because like you said they were the only ones who understood if i basically started to complain and go oh i've got to go to tokyo really don't want to go i just want to stay home and cuddle up with the cats and watch a dvd if i said that to my friends back then they would think again like oh yeah listen to her but it's like yeah yeah, yeah. i genuinely didn't feel like going. no that's true that's true so So it, it definitely, it was nice sometimes that you did, you know, end up having a few friends, but I still, I always tried to not get sucked into that life too much because it yeah, also, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of superficiality as well, isn't there? Like people oh, hang out sure. with you because you're in a position. Did you ever feel that thing where, you know, you're talking to industry people and they're all nice to you. And at the same time, you can see that they're looking over your shoulder to see if there's someone more famous yeah, behind yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, for sure. Really yeah. Be it's like you see it even nowadays if you see the Grammys or the Oscar when they're on the red carpet, you always see them talking. You know, for example, they talk with some artists and then think like, oh, there is Beyonce coming. So, you know, we need to cut it off, uh, Dua Lipa, for example, because there's a bigger one coming. Or, you know, so it, it, it's kind of, you, you get used to it, you know, but it's also, uh, if it was relationship with, with, uh, with girls that you had, you always had back in your mind, like, of course, you know, they would hang out with you because you're raving too limited. Luckily, before, I always was popular in school, so I already had a little swing there. So, you know, but of course, you always think about it. And, you know, 
if you would hang out with people like uh, I was most of the time a little bit E17, I was hanging out with Robbie Williams, you know, so so it, at least you knew they were not with you because of the money or, you know, because everybody had their own thing and nobody needed anything from any, right. anybody. So that yeah. was also a big part of the whole thing, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. So with, um, I guess your setup was a little bit different with 2 Unlimited because a lot of the kind of like the Euro dance acts, you had the producers and then you just had people fronting it. And I think a lot of people thought that you and Adita as well, which is literally fronting it and completely irreplaceable and they can yeah, have yeah. the next ones. But you actually, so there was, of course, there was the, the Belgian producers, Jean-Paul de Costa and Phil. Uh, Philip Phil, Phil de, Phil de, Phil de Wilde. So, but you actually, I mean, you came up with your raps. You even came up with some of the singing parts, right? You actually, yeah. you were actually part of the creation. Right. Yeah. No, well, actually, you know, uh, they asked me to write a rap for "Get Ready for This," and it, yeah. I never wrote a rap before. But uh, so when I, I always say like, it was like God was holding my hand and and the pen, because they asked me for a rap, so they were never thinking about boy girl or anything like this. It was just like, yeah, we need a rap on this track. I think it could work. And while I was writing, I was writing a female part. And me, as never writing any song before in my life, that's why I always say it was it came from up above. It had to be like this. So I wrote a little part for a girl. So I went back to my producer. I got the rap finished. You know, I sent him the, the he sent me the, tea, uh, the the cassette tape and I started writing in my dad's house. And I wrote a chorus too. And I said, you know, I got the rap, but I also got a chorus. And I think it should be a girl singing it, you know, because I cannot sing. So I could hardly rap. But, uh, you know, so uh, they say, oh, yeah. So do you know any girl? And I knew Anita from Amsterdam because, you know, I used to hang out in the clubs and I always saw her there uh, singing because she was more like doing R&B performances. And I was always looking at her. I was kind of kind of in love with her. I was kind of like, oh, you know, maybe we can hang out. So when he said about, do you have any girl singer? I was straight away thinking, I said, hey, that's a good opening <laughs> for me to get in connection <laughs> with her. <laughs> you know, that, 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 was the, that was actually the whole story about it. I was not thinking about fame, money to be, you know, nothing like that. I was just like, you know, let me get with her. And I got a nice opening because I got a part. Would you like to, I wrote something. I don't know what's going to come from it, but I need a chorus. Wow. Uh, I don't know if you're going to do shows or whatever it's going to, but you know, just a tryout. And we recorded it. and. Uh, yeah, we sent it back and they were like, wow, you know, it sounds kind of, you know, and they already had the working title Two Unlimited and here it comes, it's two people, Two Unlimited. So it just fitted like, you know, like a hand in a glove. It, so it had yeah. to be like this, you know, and uh, then of course, because PW, Pete Waterman was the one, you know, he used to have the show uh, in Manchester, The Hitman and Her at the Royals. That was still going back then? Oh yeah, my yeah God. Well, well, that's actually where, uh, you know, he used to play the, the biggest tracks that were hot in the clubs. Yeah. And Get Ready For This was there on the white label in the DJ pool circulating around. So he picked up this track and he was trying to find out, well, this track is, you know, that time they released Kylie Minogue, Jason Donovan, and, you know, more the poppy kind of stuff. And yeah, he picked it up and yeah, and suddenly he said, well, he called my producer probably and said, like, yo, we need to sign this, you know. And my producer was like, oh, the big Pete Waterman, which, of course, Stock Aiken and Waterman, world famous, uh, many hits, Rick Ashley, all, yes. go on and on. And then, yeah, it just, uh, he just signed it. And uh, then they thought it was a great idea to have two people. And, of course, we were both uh, 
half black, half white, you know, so it fitted also like this. I had already the strange uh, dress going on and she was, of course, a very beautiful girl. And yeah, so the, the whole image of two, I think two Unlimited really changed the image of, because that time, of course, you had the Prodigy already, you had uh, 808 stage, you had a lot of bands, The Shaman, uh, that were quite popular, but it was more like a DJ kind of thing. You know, you had people, some, it was nothing like you put a poster on the wall. And nice. I think with Two Unlimited, you know, you had like an image with it and pe the kids have something, you know, the, the girls uh, and the kind of like this guy and the, the guys like, so I think we paved the way in the visual that suddenly, you know, you've been the smash hits and, and all that yeah. stuff. And then of course, a lot of these bands started like 24 seven and, you know, Snap was a little bit before us. And, you know, I used to love Snap. I used to love the power. And I think it was 89. You know, I was in the army. And, uh, and now Turbo is, he's a very good friend of mine. I mean, I see him sometimes at the shows. He lives in, uh, in Orlando. And it's just strange that, you know, you're, you're looking up. Like Michael Jackson. I was looking up to Michael Jackson. I met him in Monte Carlo at the World Music Awards. There's still on YouTube, there's a video where he's sitting next to Prince Albert and we're doing No Limit. And he's just like swinging. And I met him backstage. And he came from the stairs. I will never forget this moment. He came from the stairs and I was like stuck. Because I mean, that time, you know, no limit. We were already, you know, globetrotters around the world. I mean, yeah. was not, oh, if we're going to have a hit, it's going to be, okay, what number are we going to enter in the charts? You're already on that level now. Right. So, you know, I already met all the, the greatest in the world. So for me, and it was kind of cool. But the, the, the day that I knew Michael Jackson would be there, it was like Christmas. It was like, I was so nervous. You know, and then he came, he shook my hand and said, I really like your song. And for me, it was like, I hold his hand. Like, yeah, it was like, <laughs> what? I said, man, you don't even know. You like my song. You don't even know, man. I used to go to your concert. And, and that was, I was always thinking, I went with my mom and I was thinking like, if I want to be an artist, it's got to be like this. So nowadays also, if you see our costumes that we have now, it's all inspiration by, by Michael Jackson. It's the, the yeah. bling and the, the leather and, you know, and that always kept me in mind. And yeah, so that, that's a crazy thing, you know. It, it always comes back, right? And the fact oh, for sure, back, for sure. Yeah. So do you think, so of course, at the time, a lot of people were making fun of you guys, going, no, no, there's no lyrics, whatever, right? Just saying. Yeah, for sure. But, but I'm wondering if, if in a way that was the strength, because I also hear people say about ABBA, the fact that they weren't from an English-speaking country. They said their lyrics were almost simple enough for people to sing along. Do you think that was actually part of the strength, that you were not from an English-speaking country? You started to make these raps, and it was simple for everyone to just sing along from other countries that weren't yeah. English-speaking? Yeah, for sure, also. But, you know, it's, it's of course, you know, that time you had the credible magazines, you know, like... Uh, yeah, the NME, uh, you know, talking about for, a lot of people say, oh, the, the two Danish from, uh, they didn't even know. I think we also put Amsterdam on the map. I mean, everybody knew about Amsterdam, you know, you can smoke weed and everything, but they, they were always making fun of it or the, the Rolling Stone, we, we had the interview. And then when I saw the interview, I was really pissed off, you know, because it, it was like, yeah, okay, it's simple. No, no, but you got to come, you, you have to come up with it, you know? Right. So it's, it's easier said than done. And uh I remember one time the Prodigy was, because, you know, we were always award, uh, nominated for the MTV Awards, Best Dance Act, and we always lost from the Prodigy, always. And I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, we're more on MTV than, than the Prodigy. They play our video like every second, you know? And uh, 
So again, we, we, we lost it. And then one time they were writing like, you know, we are credible rave uh, house music and we're not like too unlimited, like this carnival kind of music. And one time I met them, I mean, they became nice friends later on. But one time I just went to them and said like, oh, you're talking shit about me? Huh? No, no, Ray, you know, it was just fun. And, you know, because <laughs> I was not uh, I was not shy at that time. So, you know, I confronted them with it. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's also a thing. Eh? It's successful if you're successful and you're, you know, a lot of people always say, like, even the guys that I used to be in, into the hip-hop scene, like L, Cool J, Run, DMC, Public Enemy. So all my friends were too. So they say, hey, you're a sellout. And I always said, like, and it was true, I mean, I think we we didn't go mainstream, you know, the, the, the public just turned on us and it just became commercial, you know, because right. get ready for this. If that time it was kind of underground, you know, it was not a song that you would hear on the radio. So it was kind of underground. So I always said like, yeah, the, the, the public turned it into a commercial thing, you know, pop is well, popular and music. Guess, well, and, and, well, and like you said, I mean, you, you guys became like the whole package. You became the ones who, I think I've got a clip somewhere with a poster of you guys in uh, Smash Hits <laughs> or something. I'll show you yeah. in a minute. Did you get an MTV award or did you never no, get we never one? Got, no, we never got it. Wow. Yeah. So the funny thing is my mom actually has an MTV award. She oh, okay. actually has one of the Prodigy MTV awards because oh, okay. one year they won they won three or four I don't know how yeah many something won. like this and so my mom went up to Leroy and went oh come on Leroy you got three of them surely you can give one uh, one to me and he went okay so my mom still has the Prodigy MTV oh, award that's dope. in her house that's dope. yeah that's crazy yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I thought that was funny. Okay, so let me play another um, clip okay. for you. Let me see where this one's from. Melody Maker, 14th of May, 1994. Ray is something of a party animal. I don't want to sleep when I'm in a new city. I can go around a club chatting to strangers so I don't have a problem going out on my own. Ray lists his favorite clubs as idols in South Africa. One of the dance floors was reserved for us. One of the DJs said, all the girls who want to dance with Ray can go upstairs. There were about 20 girls waiting for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah, oh, for so, sure. I mean, we right. used to party, man. We used to party. I mean, uh, I mean, nowadays, I don't hang out too much. But, uh, you know, back in the days, I had so much energy. I wasn't even on drugs. You know, I was smoking weed and, and drink champagne or whatever. But I had so much energy. It was always... You know, for me, of course, Anita, she needed her sleep, you know, but for me, after the show is the after party and after the party is the next party. And, you know, next day, six o'clock, get on the plane. And for me, it was just a regular, I was always excited, you know, mm -hmm. what new clubs I'm going to uh, come into, what girls I met, of course, uh, I kind of like that thing and shopping yeah. or, you know, so yeah. it was, yeah, for me, it was never a dull moment. It was a big adventure for me, you know, so. Uh, so did you never burn out at the time? No, not really. Not really. really? Wow. Yeah. I was so exciting, you know, so excited. Yeah. So uh, I think that's where the energy used to come from. And I used to, I could drink like two bottles of uh, Bacardi or something. And then the party just started. If I would drink now a couple of Bacardis, I, I need to go to sleep. <laughs> I know. I know. Same here. It's like yeah. it's over. Two glasses of wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> on the couch, fell out. <laughs> Uh, but I'm glad we did it back then, right? Oh, I mean, for sure, it's good sure. to kind of get all that stuff out of your system and, and yeah. you know, and, and something to look back on for sure. Wow. So um, 
so you said with you and Anita, so in you said in the beginning you kind of fancied her and that's why you got her to sing on 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 the track. Um, yeah. So how was that when you guys were actually working together? I mean, were you guys were you guys seeing each other very briefly in the beginning? You were, weren't you? Oh yeah, we were. Yeah, yeah, right. for sure. From the from the first moment we went to the UK, uh, yeah. I had a relationship. She had a relationship, and uh, yeah, the first weekend uh, we went. Uh, yeah, we had a thing together. And uh, yeah, so we came back and uh, she, she also said to me like, don't look at me when, when we arrive because my boyfriend, he will notice straight away that we got something going on. And, uh, but I was, you know, for me in my head, I always was, already was finished with my girlfriend because I said, I want to be with you. And uh, yeah, until, and yes, yeah, he left a boyfriend too. So in the beginning we were a couple and then they had, then it started to go crazy, you know, going to the clubs, doing shows, girls throwing the panties on the on the on the stage, and I was like, I don't want to be in a relationship anymore. I want to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how was that then? That must have been quite quite difficult. I mean, they always say, you know, don't don't date on don't date on the job. So how was that? Because yeah. you guys were together all the time. Oh, for sure, then, yeah. So how did that? How was that dynamic? Yeah, I mean, on the end, uh, you know, after, of course, you know, I enjoyed life and I was doing my thing. Uh, but afterwards, we came back again. So it was kind of on and on. But then after we decided, like, you know, this this doesn't function anymore. So, you know, we really need to make a decision. And we decided just to part ways personally, you know, to not be a couple anymore. And then after we grew out to be like more like a brother and sister relationship, because same as, of course, the people outside or your friends that don't and uh, don't experience the same thing that you do. Of course, Anita and myself, we experienced exactly the same thing. So we knew exactly the same thing, how we felt when we had a headache or when we didn't feel good. And you can basically say the only time we didn't uh, work together is when we had to go to the toilet because for the rest of the time, you're always together. If it was a photo shoot or an interview or... So you kind of were like a Siamese, Siamese uh, twin, you know? So you're always right. stuck together. So, yeah, but I think uh, we we kind of... Uh, it was also, I think, a savior for us to, to have somebody around that you can always share your, your problems with or, or your yeah. things because you knew exactly how you felt that way. Yeah, I, f I think it was uh, a, a positive and a negative thing, but I think mostly positive because otherwise we couldn't have done it for such a long time, you know, and yeah. it's, uh, it really helped each other, you know. So on the end, she became family and, you know, I knew her truly. She, kn she knew me. So when we had an interview or we're doing something, we just had to look at each other like, okay, you know, we know exactly how, how we want to roll with it. Or So, yeah, in, in a way, I think uh, on both ways it it helps each other just to be, you know, as a band together. So, you know. Yeah. And so then, you know, you guys broke up. Then many yeah. years later, you, you kind of got together again, 2009, I think it was, right? So was yeah. that when, because at one point there was a, you, you had a bit of a problem where, um, was it Jean-Paul Costa who didn't want you to use the name to Unlimited for a while and then that got resolved? Is that yeah. right? Yeah, well, actually, we had a yeah we had a big court case uh, against uh, Jean Paul. Uh, you know, uh, of course, you, you sold so many records, and of course, a lot of money came in. But at a certain point, of course, my accountants start counting, and we thought we still they still owed us some royalties that were you know not paid or anything. And uh, so we had a court case, literally for fifteen years. Oh wow! But, yeah, 15 years. So uh, I was living in Monte Carlo for 11 years. Uh, 
in this court case, uh, yeah, that was the end of my, uh, you know, I spent all my money on this court case uh, because I really believed in it. And, uh, you know, so after 11 years, I had to leave Monaco because you have to have a certain amount of money to stay there. Uh, even though Prince Albert was a good friend of mine, but he said, okay, you know, I can do nothing for you. So, you know, I had to leave and I had a great time there. And um, yeah, then we, we wanted to perform again, you know. Uh, so we did a show, that we sold 43,000 tickets in, in Belgium. It's funny because we're doing, the, well, I'm doing the, this show again in two months in Belgium. And, you know, and it was only one off show because it was like, you know, I wasn't doing anything much anymore with Two Unlimited. She was still performing. So she went to the UK. She did Butlin. She did kind of shows. And I was like, no, nah, you know, or I want to be on the on the big stage again. I don't want to be in clubs and trying to be like the, the, the forgotten artist and trying to, you know, so I was like, I was missing it, of course, but I was like, I'm cool, you know, I, or I'm going to go to the to the big level. I'm not going to do it. Right. So when we get a chance to perform at this uh, uh, big show and we sold out so many tickets, yeah, end of the show, we're just talking. It was like, yo, I think we should go again. But then we were, we couldn't use the name because we had a court case. So we were going out as Ray and Anita, which is not chic. Okay, in Holland, you know, it was normal because, you know, Ray and Anita was even more popular than Two Unlimited because for Dutch people, it's like, oh, it's Ray and Anita, it's Two Unlimited. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so then we, we started to talk with the producer, you know, uh, he, owes, he owed us some money and I wanted to get the name back because I, I was like, you know, yeah, if you go to Japan and you say Rain Anita, they said like, who? So I right. just wanted to get the name back, you know, the legacy that we built up together also with the producers. And yeah, we, we kind of sorted it out. Uh, we made a deal. So, and then, uh, yeah, and then we were back as Too Unlimited. And that was the most, uh, yeah, even the one of the precious moments to come back with my own name because I felt like it was my name. I was not the yeah. owner of the name, but you know, it's the brand that, yeah. that that fits you. Right. Well, and like you know, like like we were saying before, I mean, you really were an integral part of of the creation of all. Oh, of for it. sure. So, so in hindsight, do you regret that you guys didn't just sit down together sooner instead of like spending money on court cases and stuff? Could it maybe have been resolved? Oh yeah, Absolutely. for sure. But yeah, for sure. But you know, I was stubborn yeah. at the time. I, I opened my own, uh, uh, I launched my own record label, production company, and my own artist. So I was like, yeah, and you know, I just wanted to uh, get what I want. You know, so we were not really on speaking terms. So right. you know, it was kind of heart to heart. But I think as well, if I remember right, back then, I mean, you went through a real phase after Two Unlimited where. It seemed to me like you had a lot of hanger-ons and just not very good people. Like oh, around, sure. everybody was trying to suck you dry. Like right? I mean, it just yeah, that, sure. that's how it seemed from where I was standing. Yeah, um, for sure. And I guess some people must have been talking to you as well, going, "Do this, do that. Oh, you can do it. Fight him." Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Of course. You know, you always yeah. have uh, a big crowd behind you, and you know, I I remember I used to travel with four or five guys uh, and just paying for everybody, business class to New York, five credit cards. You know, let's party, let's go. You know, it doesn't stop. And that's why uh, nowadays I'm really. Put I mean, I got three kids now. You know, I got a couple of friends, but real close. Uh, but my heart is kind of closed for this kind of, because, you know, I've been through to all of that. So, uh, yeah, yeah and I, I don't regret it, you know, because people, uh, you don't feel that they, you know, they used you. Well, maybe I used them too for the company because, you know, 
I don't want to sound like it's uh, emotional, but you, know, you get lonely on the road. You know, it, it's yeah. true because you're in a bubble, you know, so you, you're always trying to get people around you, never a dull moment, not, no time to think about that you're alone or whatever. So, you know, that, that's also part of it. So, you know, I don't regret it. I mean, I lost everything uh, after that, you know. So, uh, and then afterwards, of course, all the friends are gone. When the money was gone, the friends were gone. Yeah. And I learned a lot from that. And it's just a blessing that I, I came back and that I'm, okay, now the corona, of course, but normally we do still like 100 shows. And, you know, I'm a better person. I'm 50 years old, so I'm a little bit more uh, smarter to keep my money. You know, because back in the days, I could have bought 10 houses in Spain, but I didn't have time. Now I got my house in Spain. I live in Germany. And everything is kind of, you know, so I had the second chance. And I'm really happy for this, you know, just to. So, you know, not many people. I think a lot of people who would uh, experience what I went through, they would already jump from the roof. Because it's kind of hard, you know, if you you spend like 100,000 quid a month easily on whatever, I don't know, you know, and to come back to almost nothing, you know, so it was kind of a hard time, but, you know, it was a good lesson and, uh, yeah, I learned a lot from it, you know, so I'm more confident now in everything that I do and I'm more happy also. But so how did you get through that period? Because it must have been quite a dark period then to go from that to that, like your money's gone, your friends have disappeared. I mean, was it like, how, how did you get out of that? How did you move yeah. on? Yeah, no, well, for, for me, I was always a positive person, you know, and uh, that was the thing. I was always like, you're going to come back, you know, you're going to come back. I was I was talking to uh, even even my mom, she didn't believe it. I don't have contact with my mom. It's a really sad story. But, uh, you know, her boyfriend was my accountant and afterwards i found out money was gone and you know they also stole from me and she she was like yeah you're you're not gonna make it anymore and my father was there on the other hand like ray keep going you will be back you'll be back he's now living in spain in my house so he's cool you know it's a little (laughs) reward that he got but you know that kept me going it it just kept me going to be like you know stay positive you know if you did it before you can do it again and right yeah i mean that just kept me going. And uh, yeah, afterwards, you know, made a good deal with a producer, paid all my debts because of course debts come. And uh, yeah. yeah, so, you know, I came out yeah. of it and uh, in, a, in a positive way. So what <laughs> advice would you give any of you, if you, any of your children decided to walk this path and go into showbiz and music? I don't know if yeah. any of them are thinking that. Yeah, yeah. What advice yeah, would you son- give them? Yeah, my son is 25. He's uh, 24-7 in the studio. He got a home studio. He's doing more like rap stuff. So he's, he's always working. And, you know, it's, it's also a different time. You know, I don't want to sound right. like an old man. I mean, those are different times because we were making music. We were never making music for the money or to be famous, you know. And that's why all this 90s hit. It's like Motown back in the days. Everything came from the heart. You know, but nowadays everybody, we want to have a hit, to have the Rolex, to have the BMW. You know, it's it's more, it's a different kind of vibe how they trying to get into the music business. And for us, we just did what we felt. And I was not saying, okay, I'm going to make this hit. I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy this. No, you didn't think about this kind of things. So for me, the, the best advice would I also tell them is like, stay the closest to yourself, you know, because yeah. all the stuff will come afterwards. But if you have a vision and you want to do something creative, it's got to be from the heart and it's got to be something that you feel, you know, feel comfortable with and not for the wrong reasons because. Exactly. Exactly. I always feel that if you just follow your heart and you really, you, you do the best that you can do that 
you know, whatever, what, whatever comes your way, it'll come your way. You know, the success will come, whatever. Those are more kind of, how do I say it? It's almost like the side effects, but That's to right. me, it's like, if you just keep doing what you love doing and you do it as well as you can, of course. that's it. And then the oh, rest for sure. is, yeah, I couldn't, I, I can't imagine actually reversing it and trying to do something thinking, no. Ooh, dollar signs. I, I can't, do you really think that that's how a lot of the people now think? that they start with the back thing of we want this result. Uh, yeah, I think then... so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because, you know, I never wanted to be famous. I, I mean, I loved, like, uh, performing or to, to see, you know, see look at the artists, but I was never thinking about, you know, I wanted to be a cook and I wanted to be, you know, for me, success is says a lot. And uh, with success, of course, comes money, comes, uh, you know, liberty that you can do what you want to do. And that's the most important thing. And of course, even if you want to be a lawyer or you want to be a doctor, you have a certain, oh, I want to earn this kind of money per month. Uh, and you study for this. But, you know, you cannot study to be an artist. Uh, you can just uh, try to to do something that you feel. And it's with everything that I did with Tool Unlimited. If it was, it, if it was the, the dance, the famous dance for Nolly, it, it was nothing that I've written out. It was just like, okay, the camera's rolling. It was not like the night before. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this dance. No, we were at the video shoot. The music went on and it just came up with this thing, which now is, you know, when we had the show and people are <laughs> dancing like, no. And it was like, how did you come up with this? I said, I don't know. It just... I just yeah. came with what felt with the music, you know, and that's how yeah. we wrote the songs. So we had a demo and and we just wrote I just wrote down what I felt with with the music without any double agenda or you know. Oh. You know what come what comes to mind now when you say you're talking about the dance and stuff as well. There was an old video where the Rolling Stones, they were still quite a new band and they were on this TV show and little Richard was on before them. And so little Richard was doing his dance and you could see um and Mick Jagger is kind of looking at him. And then Mick Jagger went on and you could see that he was trying to mimic yeah, what yeah, little yeah. Richard was doing, but it didn't quite come out right because he's like, you know, this gangly white guy. Yeah, he didn't but have that, that soul. instantly became like his signature, you know, the thing that he does. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was so funny how, how, like you said, it wasn't something thought out. He just looked and went, oh, that's cool. I'm going to do that too. And it just comes out and it became... Oh, for sure, for sure. It yeah. became Mick Jagger, you know? Yeah. So, it's the same like this guy from uh, Boney M, you know? Uh, he passed away, was a good friend of mine. Uh, Bobby, I mean, he also, if you, you know, if you look at the dance that he was doing, it's like, what's wrong with you? Are you, <laughs> you, you kind of stumbling? And I had the same thing. Sometimes when I look back at video, I was like, man, come on, man. I think it's much better. It's more controlled now when I perform now. But uh, sometimes when I look at the videos, I'll be like, okay, you were kind of wild. Sometimes you just don't overthink things, right? Okay, let no. me share you another, another little... Um... Sunday Times, 1st of May, 1994. Headline, no limit to what two can do. Ray and Anita are 22 and last year sold more records than Take That. Miranda Sawyer meets them, and it says, Last year, Two Unlimited, a Dutch power rave duo of aerobic beats and punch-along techno anthems, sold more singles in Great Britain than Take That. Of their nine singles in the past two years, one, No Limit, stayed at number one for six weeks, and only two, The Magic Friend and Maximum Overdrive, failed to make the British top ten. Their second LP, No Limits, went platinum, reaching number one in nine countries. I think we brought house music to a higher commercial level, boasts Ray Slingard. Also, your mum would like it, you know? 
<laughs> also, your mum would like it. Oh, for oh that's sure. funny. Yeah. yeah. So, did you guys ever make it in in the United States? Did you ever become big in America? Uh, not as successful as uh, in the Europe and the UK, but uh, it was. I mean, get ready for this. They still play at the NBA nowadays. It's still uh, still the anthem, right. so it's yes. still there. And uh, get ready for this came number 34 in the Billboard charts in the Hot 100. And for the rest, all our songs was like in the dance, the dance scene. Because that time, you know, MTV was playing either or rock or rap, you know, so the dance music was not so popular back then. But I mean, everybody knew the songs, but you know, it was also the only place where I could just, because I love to go to LA and New York for shopping. It was kind of the only place where I could just walk on the street without anybody recognize me. Or it should be mm-hmm. some people from Europe be like, hey, it's too limited. But for the rest, I was just another, you know, and uh, that's why I was a lot in L.A. back in the days, because, you know, I just could go there because, you know, it used to go crazy. You know, you, you used to come to the airport and there were like hundreds of fans just running around. And, you know, and in Amsterdam, it was quite cool because, you know, Dutch people were kind of uh, down to earth. But uh, yeah, so in the States, uh, the success was there, but it was not like that we were on MTV every day or something like this. No, so it was not, a, like, not like back in Europe. No, not no. like back in Europe. Yeah. There's another clip I want to play for you. I want to hear your, uh, hold on, let me do screen share. DJ Magazine, 8th of April, 1993, on the subject of racism. Whilst PAing on the South Coast, they met a couple of guys who they got on well with, so invited them back to their hotel. The two turned up later bloodied and bruised. Apparently someone had taken offence to them hanging out with using the n-word here and laid into them and once somewhere in a club in a break after a song someone was shouting the n-word get off stage and i just stopped the show and said f you i'm not standing here ray says angrily this wasn't the only case and sadly it's something which they've had to handle anita says if we see which person said that we point that guy out to the bouncers and ask them to throw them out of the club otherwise we won't perform anymore but most of the time you don't see because a lot of racists are real cowards and they hide behind somebody else. So racism? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, coming from uh, a mixed racial, uh, mixed uh, parents, um, I, I didn't deal with it so much. And I think uh, we we were half black, half white. So, you know, we were kind of accepted. You know, it was we were right in the middle of, of things. And sometimes things like this came, uh, like this article that uh, James just uh, read. And uh, yeah, we were really, uh, yeah, really about this. You know, we were really, even in South Africa, you know, it took us a while for us to perform in South Africa because uh, we said, if you're going to play in South Africa, we want to play for a mixed audience, which in the early 90s was not common, of course. And uh, it, it, took, a couple, yeah, it took a while before we, uh, we said, are we coming for a mixed audience? Or we not come at all, you know, and then they say, yeah, okay, the, the black people don't have this, uh, this kind of budget to go to the show. So then we, uh, we did a big show there for free, you know, just to let a lot of different mixed people just come to the shows. Hmm. Uh, we were kind of particular with this kind of thing, you know, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Never really heard about that. I mean, that, that wasn't really written about in the press, but no, that's, no. That's, that's, that's kind of cool though. 
Yeah. So, so when you were talking about your favorite club, there was a favorite club in South Africa. So was that was that a mixed club? I mean, how how was it back then there, or was that were the clubs well, separate as well? No, it was it's, it was quite a mix. I think it was after the show that we did, and we went to Joburg where we had this uh, show, the open show, and then we had the after party in this club or something like this. And uh, I had some uh, guy that I met there. He, he was my security. Uh, well, I need to have a security guy, and I had a security guy was kind of dangerous in South Africa. And actually, this guy, uh, we became friends, and then I hired him as personal security. So, and he was 19, he used to uh, uh, protect Nelson Mandela and stuff like that. And yeah, so I took him all around the world. Yeah, and actually, yeah, I was speaking now to go back to South Africa. I know Hathaway, he, he called me two days ago. Uh, my wife, she's Polish, and he just landed in Poland from South Africa. He had a show. So he just came from South Africa. And we're also talking to come back there. So I cannot wait to, to be back there because it's been a while. You know. Yeah. And so all these people that you're talking to, um, they're all like old 90s acts. And so you all connected again over the, was it the I Love the 90s events or something? Or what were the events called? Yeah, it's, it's all different. Uh, we love the 90s. They love the 90s. Uh, we all love the 90s. There's so many 90s parties going on. And wow. uh, we're doing Schalke, which is a big football stadium. You can say it's like Manchester Stadium. It's going to be 60,000 people uh, there. And everybody's going to be there. It's going to be Hathaway, Dr. Alban, Snap. Culture Beat, uh, all the artists you can imagine are going to be there, Technotronic. So, and, you know, and we're touring a lot. You know, we, if we do Denmark, also this summer we're doing Sweden. And it's always like 20,000 people, just to give you an idea how big it still is. Mm. Uh, Germany, all the shows are 20, 25,000 people. And it's such a huge follow. You know, we just did uh, Canada last year with Aqua, with the Bengal Boys. And it was also big venues. You know, so uh, so just to let you know, not to brag, but just to let you know how big the 90s is still are. To Unlimited, we most of the time the headliners uh, because we got the most hits. You know, uh, some of some of the artists only got one or two or three hits. But, you know, we had 14 top 10 hits, you know. Wow. So, That's of course, we always uh, headlining and, uh, you know, we come with, with a whole professional team. And, you know, I, I think it's even better than back in the days because, you know, now, if you look at the costumes that we have and the dancers and yeah, I think it's just uh, much better than back in the 90s. I mean, for nowadays. So it's not yeah. like if you look at the show, it's like, oh, yeah, they're from the 90s. No, it's really from now. You know, we really come with some remixes. We did a remix with Steve Aoki, which we use in the show. DJ Chucky did some remixes. So it's really like bang, you know, because, you know, if you listen to Get Ready for This from 91, it's kind of thin, you know, so we really put a boom. We end with Get Ready For This. It's still my favorite track. And yeah, it's, it's just like, you know, even young kids come to the show now and they'd be like, yeah, that's cool. That's retro, you know, and we, we got the sound to, to back it up. So uh, yeah, so that's, that's a good. That really makes me want to come to one of these. <laughs> oh, you need to come. <laughs> I do, shouldn't I? Maybe this yeah. summer I should try and come to one of them. Oh, yeah, I, I do... bet you everyone just stands there with a big grin, right? From the oh, beginning yeah, yeah, of the show sure. till the end, like, yeah. ah. <laughs> yeah, we're doing a couple of big ones in the UK too. We're doing Manchester, London, uh, yeah, so it's going to be a good one. There was this quote about how you were voted as the fourth coolest person in the UK or in the world, I think, at that point by Select Magazine. Um, okay. I think um, you were just behind Kylie at the time. 
And oh, okay. they said, you know, some bad. people are, they said, some people are born cool and some have got coolness thrashed upon them. And they <laughs> said with you that your moment came when you suddenly went, techno, 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 techno. And they were like, <laughs> and isn't that was it? It just yeah. became like the thing. So do people yeah. still shout that at you sometimes? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, most definitely, uh, <laughs> most most definitely at the shows, of course. But uh, yeah, I could I could be in the supermarket. I mean, I I live in Dusseldorf. It's not so far from Holland. I still go to the Dutch supermarket, and because I like that, and you know, especially when I'm there, you know, you you hear people shouting that thing at you. It's kind of a significant kind of thing. But it's the same thing, you know, uh, how we used to record. It was like you had the rap and then, okay, let the track run for a couple of times and I would just shout some things. And it's also a thing that just came about, like techno, techno. You know, it's just like people like, how do you come up to it? I don't know. It was, the, 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 tape, the tape was on and it was just like, uh, you know, it just, came, it just came about, you know. So it's, uh, yeah, that's funny how, how things can be... Uh, can be a phrase that follows you for life, you know, so. Uh, oh my goodness. Oh, Ray, yeah. hey, listen, it's so lovely to see you. Nice to see you as well. There's at least three rays in my life, by the way. I just suddenly thought. Okay, Voodoo, Voodoo Ray, ooh, ooh, yes. Ray Cokes, and of course, the man you've just, uh, interviewed ray from two unlimited good yes happy oh it was it was so mm. sweet it's so nice seeing him again it he barely is aged it's unbelievable he's he looks really good um and it was just so sweet because we were like these two young dutch people in london and we used to hang out and so to catch up with him um it was just it was precious um and he's doing good he's still performing with two unlimited Big, Happy. big events, these these 90s events. Um, yeah. I get the feeling that, yes, I mean, I know he went through a really hard time and I know he lost a lot of money and he had a lot of hanger-ons and like so many. And then you come out on the other end and you just find a certain level of peace. Thank you.